Everybody and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Music Matters Media Podcast. I'm Lisa. And I'm Eric. And today we are going to be talking about one of our mutual favorite bands, Sum 41. Can't wait. I'm excited. We have a lot to talk about because we just recently went to their concert this past week. So it's very, very fresh in our heads, the experience. Very. Um, Mind-blowing experience. But before we get into that... We have our listener segment, our listeners from all around the world, top three this week. Let's get into it. So coming in third, we have Colombia. Very nice. Cool. We have some really avid listeners in Colombia, so shout out to Colombia. Then we have number two, a brand new country coming in strong too, because not only they're a new country coming in, but number two. The second spot. All right, I'm excited. What is it? Also, I would just like to add before I make the announcement of who it is that it's very fitting that they decided to pop on our list this week for this episode because it is the one and only Canada. <laughs> oh man, are you serious? Yes, like they knew that we were going to be talking about Sum 41. I don't know how they knew, but they knew. They felt it and they had to come in strong this week. To prove that, you know, they deserve a spot. And of course they do. It's Canada. That's awesome. And being someone who lived there for a couple of years in the 90s, I love you guys. So thank you. And our number one spot. Can you guess it, Eric? Oh, man. Honestly, I can't. You know, these things are so unpredictable. Number one spot goes to the UK. Nice. Very nice. Our UK listeners, I cannot thank them enough. Every week they come in so strong. They manage to stay on our top three week after week, regardless of what spot they land on, but they maintain, you know, their place in our top three bracket. And for that, I can't thank them enough. Yeah, it's really no small feat. So thank you guys so much for that. So that's our top three for this week. Colombia, Canada, and the UK. So thank you guys for showing us some love. Thank you to everybody around the world for giving this podcast so much love. We can't be any more grateful than we already are, but we'll keep thanking you every week to remind you. Um, If you want to get on our top three and if you want a shout out, all you have to do is share this podcast with your friends, with your family, with your teachers, professors, whoever it may be, with your neighbors, all right? Share them this podcast, and we could be shouting you out next. Eric, let's just dive right in. The concert. What an experience, man. 
I mean, I've been to, you know, quite a few concerts in my lifetime, and I can honestly say I've never been to one this insane. Now, I know previously we made um, our concert experiences episode. That was actually one of the very first episodes that we ever made on this podcast. I think it was our episode number two. And, you know, obviously top uh, favorite things are going to change over time because we're human beings and we like things at certain times and some things stay, some things go, some things have really lasting power. But the point I'm trying to make is um, if I would have been to this concert at the time of that episode, when we record that episode, easily Sum 41 makes top five best concert experiences, best concert, best live band. Absolutely. I mean, from the minute it started to the minute it ended, it was just total mayhem and it totally deserves a spot in our top five. Absolutely. I think we even looked at each other and said that um, after the show, we were just like, holy crap, what did we just experience? That was like one of the best concerts that we've ever been to. And uh, it really, okay, so let's, let's, Let's explain to them why it was one of the best concerts that we've ever been to. Not only because, number one, we got to experience it together. I mean, that right there is already, you know, up on the list. But try to explain to the listeners why that concert was so special and and why it had such an impact on the both of us. Well, one of the first things that we absolutely uh, had no idea we were in for was how physical the concert would be if that makes any sense i mean it was like being inside of a pinball machine i think that's the best way i can describe it but in the best way possible everybody there was super super rowdy and you know going into it listen listen i can hold my own in the pit i would just like to say that for everybody listening out there i'm used to being in general admission standing concerts like that's my thing in fact, um, we went with one of our other friends, and she was like, oh, you know, I didn't know it was going to be that rowdy, and I'm used to, you know, sitting down or being a, in a VIP section, like, up above, and Eric and I looked at each other, and we're just like, this is what we live for. We live for being in the pit, being in the crowd of people, you know, and having that real punk rock experience. I feel like it takes away so much from it any other way. Exactly. You go there to have fun. You go there to have an adrenaline rush. And you're not going to find that sitting in some VIP section. You know, the only way, in my opinion, to really experience a concert like the one we went to is to be right there where the action is. Absolutely. And the crowd was super, super rowdy. Everybody was like squished together like sardines. But honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. You have to go into these things knowing what kind of concert you're going into. Granted, Eric and I didn't know the extent of how uh, physical (laughs) it was going to be, but we had somewhat of an idea. And I think that um, was to our advantage because I think people going in thinking that, you know, they weren't going to get pushed and shoved and that they were just going to stand there the whole time in in the same spot were sadly mistaken. (laughs) Just to give you guys even more of an idea of how chaotic this concert was um lisa's friend who came with us she actually went as far to say that this concert was even rowdier than a five finger death punch concert she went to actually she said avenge sevenfold that's what it was the wall of death during avenge sevenfold 
Either way, man, I mean, if, if you know what it's like to go to a metal show, you know that you're not going to be staying anywhere for too long. So to experience that at a Sum 41 concert was just mind-blowing. It was truly incredible. And also, to map it out for you guys as well, it was me standing in the back of Eric. Eric was standing in front of me. And then my other friend was standing beside me when the concert started. <laughs> and then by the time the concert was over... I made it all the way to the front um, barricade, all the way to um, on the right side, so right in front of Dave Brown Sound. That's where I made it, like literally right in front of him on the barricade. Um, my other friend ended up in the middle, um, and Eric got pushed all the way um, behind the both of us when he started out um, in front of us. And we were all in different areas by the time the concert was over. There was no possible way for us to even uh, stand together just because of how much action was going on in the crowd. Yeah, and fun fact, I'm a pretty short person, so I uh, really was just trying to survive and trying to avoid going to the really dead center of the pit because that would have been... I would have died. <laughs> and also, there were uh, multiple circle pits going on. It wasn't just one. When I got the chance to turn around and look around, there was one in the back, one towards the front of the stage. So there was a lot going on. Um, and of course, you know, during the set, uh, Derek made the shout out to, you know, open up the pit and, and get it going and give me more energy. You're doing good, but you can give me more. I want to see more. So, uh, it was just really super fun. I'm really, honestly, I'm used to shows like this. I thrive in situations like this. I never take it as, oh, I'm going to get hurt. Oh, I'm going to pass out. Oh, you know, and I get it. I get that certain people can't handle it and then that's not enjoyment for them. But also I would just give advice and say, know what you're getting yourself into when you buy tickets like that, you know? Then if you don't want to get pushed and shoved and this and that, then don't buy general admission standing tickets, especially for a Sum 41 concert, because you will be pushed and you will be shoved, and you can't take it personally. That's just part of the experience. And like she said, you know, obviously be very aware of what you're getting yourself into, and most importantly, if you are the type of person that loves to carry duffel bags or stuff, don't take anything with you that you're not prepared to, you know, get damaged, so to speak. So we're going to get to the concert itself, um, but before we get into that, I also wanted to give a huge shout out to this, uh, what I'm about to say, because this really made my night, was when Eric and I were able to snag the last two signed copies of Does This Look Infected? I know we didn't mention it before, so the Sum 41 tour was a 15th anniversary of the album Does This Look Infected? And they were giving out special edition vinyl that was green splattered with black. Super, super gorgeous. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, I know that I want to get a variant of this record. So I knew that going into it. But then they added the fact that 25 copies at each show will be signed. So it's just first come, first serve. If you get there early enough, you can get a signed copy. If not, then you'll just get a regular copy. So having that in the back of my mind, as soon as we got into the place, we headed straight towards the merch booth. And, you know, they were buying shirts and stuff like that. But my main concern was I need to get a signed copy of 
that record. And we did. We managed to pull it off. And what made me even happier was we were the last two um, to get that signed copy. Thankfully, we both ended up getting what we really wanted that night. Yeah, so that really made the night even more special was coming away with that signed record because I actually already have Does This Look Infected in my collection. I have an orange variant of it. It's look really cool. It's like Halloween orange theme to go with the record. Um, but I knew that I needed to get my hand on my hands on a signed copy from all the band members. So I'm glad that we were able to accomplish that. But Eric, let's get into the fact that this was one of the best shows we've ever been to. Easily top five on both of our top fives. Um, And like I said, people, our top fives are constantly going to be updated because we're still going to be going to shows. You know, it's we that's what we love to do. So every time we go to a show, you never know. Our top five can change easily. In fact, you know, towards the end of the year, I'll probably have another episode up as an updated version of the concerts that we've been to this past year, what were the best, what were the worst, and stuff like that. So look forward to that, because that will be toward the end of this year. But Eric, let's explain further, not just because of the crowd, but why was this a top five concert for you? Just because of like the variety of songs that were played. I mean, what I love about them is that they really like catered to the fans and what they wanted to hear and you know he was like he knew that this was a new york crowd so he knew exactly what he needed to play when he needed to do it and i love that at the from the very beginning he's like this is our 15th anniversary show of does this look infected but this is not going to be your typical anniversary show we're not going to follow the rules we're going to play different songs at different times there's not going to be a single quiet moment for you guys So I'm just letting you know now. And that just made it even more special. Yeah, I loved that all the songs were fast-paced songs. There was not one slow song that broke everything down. It was just go, go, go. It was a very high-energy show. Um, And he also um, said to the crowd that day that the reason why this New York show was so special to him and to the band members was because they wrote um, Does This Look Infected? And they, they recorded it here in New York. So it has a very, very strong attachment and meaning for them to be playing this album 15 years later in New York, where everything, where it all started pretty much. And that made it even more special. Absolutely. You know, it just kind of made me feel more proud to be at that concert because of that fact. Yeah, they recorded all the videos, you know, the music videos, and they wrote and and everything that took place during that um, era was in New York. So I thought that was really special. And I thought it was even more special that 15 years later, even Derek said this, that like people still care about that album and people were still so passionate about them going on an anniversary tour for that album because it made an impact on in so many people's lives. Um, so it was just a really, really special show. I like that they didn't follow the format of just, we're going to play the record front to back and they did play the record in full, but then they threw songs, um, in between those songs to, to switch it up and for it not to be super predictable like everybody else. So I did enjoy that a lot, actually. Yeah, me too. They threw in songs from their other albums. They even threw in a couple of covers, which is awesome because, um, you know, everybody knows that David Brownsound is a huge metal fan, so they really emphasized that at the show, and they decided to play some 
Metallica covers and even a Queen cover just because, you know, they, first of all, they know the fans love that stuff. And because, you know, that metal influence is such a huge part of their early sound that they, they knew that the audience would highly appreciate that. Also, one of my favorite points of the concert was when their drummer, Frank Zumo, did his drum solo to a Linkin Park melody to, um, you know, as tribute to Chester Bennington. I thought that was really, really thoughtful and nice. And not only just thoughtful and nice, but the way that he just went for it and the execution of uh, how he was playing was phenomenal like to see that live and to see him just like really go at it like full force full energy um that was a sight to see that was something that you can't expect when you're going into an anniversary show like that was something extra that they put together and you can tell that he took a lot of time and practice for him to uh to set that up and to make that tribute and I thought that was really really thoughtful and that's something that really stuck with me um because they didn't have to do that you know, they didn't have to make the tribute to Linkin Park, but because it's one of those bands that is in that realm, you know, in that music scene, and that I'm sure that they were uh, close friends or at least friendly with the me- band members in general, um, they went out of their way to, to pay uh, tribute to Chester, and I just, I love that, and he killed it on the drums. That drum solo was sick, and uh, I've seen a lot of uh, solos in my day, whether <laughs> whether it be guitar, or drums, or whatever, but um, yeah, he just really killed it. He gave it his all, and um, it was great. It was definitely one of the highlights for me during the concert. Another thing that was cool was when he was playing the drum solo to the, to the Linkin Park song. It was so cool to hear every single person in that room starts singing the lyrics. And, you know, that to me is, you know, not just impressive, but it's another cool, touching moment, you know, not just to have the band play tribute, but the fans as well. It was just pretty phenomenal to be in that moment, just to take it all in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole thing was phenomenal from, you know, the fans singing every lyric to, you know, bumping into all of them and getting moved back and forth to just the communication between Derek and the other band members. Everything was just amazing from start to finish. Just to give a rundown of the set list real quick, they played 20 songs, Eric. That's insane. And even when you leave the concert, you don't want it to end, so you start looking for ways to keep that energy going throughout the night. So they played 17 songs and then came back out for the encore, and they played No Reason, Walking Disaster, and then they closed it out with Fat Lip. Of course, they had to. They had to deal with that song. I mean, that's one of their signature songs. It would be it would be almost a crime, I guess, if they didn't do it. If uh, people that are listening don't know who Sum 41 are, if you're living under a rock, it's okay. We understand, you know. Not everybody is super, super into pop punk or, or alternative music or punk rock. The point I'm trying to make is, even if you have no idea who Sum 41 are, even if you have no idea about their catalog... Everybody knows Fat Lip. Everybody knows Fat Lip. It's just one of those songs. It's like the equivalent of All the Small Things for Blink-182 or Help Me Out, Eric, something else. Enter Sandman for Metallica. There you go, where you hear that song and you know it because it's just so popular and it is just one of those mainstays in music history that is just 
yeah, it's fat lip. You have, and even if you don't know it by title, if you look it up, Psalm 41, fat lip, and listen to it, you'll be like, oh yeah, I know this song. I remember this song. And, and that's exactly what it is. It has such staying power. And it's just so crazy that a song literally from the 2000s, early 2000s, um, can still have such a lasting impact into 2018 and beyond. Because let's be honest, it's just one of those things that's never going to die. It's a classic. It's going to go down in history as a classic. Fat Lip, Sum 41, you know the song. Don't act like you don't. Absolutely. And, you know, you could just tell the minute they started playing that song, every single fan went nuts. Not a single fan wasn't jumping up and down or screaming or singing. It was amazing. So let's talk about the band a little bit more. So to give everybody a background, if you haven't got gathered the information by now, we are talking about Sum 41. They are a pop punk, punk rock, alternative band from Ontario, Canada. They formed in 1996. That's when they started playing music. And they're still going, clearly, present day. Um, the lead singer is Derek Wibley. He does uh, lead vocals and rhythm guitar. Then we have Dave, Brown Sound. Yes, we have him on lead guitar and backing vocals. Um, we have Jason, which is other known as Cone. He does bass and backing vocals. We have Tom Thacker, who does rhythm guitar, keyboards, and backing vocals. And we have Frank Zumo, who is the drummer. Those are the members of Sum 41 currently. also want to give a shout-out to... Their ex-drummer, Steve Jocks, otherwise known as Steve-O32, he played in the band up until um, 2013, and he was one of the founding members of the band. He founded the band with Derek. He was there since the beginning, 1996, so Steve Jocks is a legend uh, for the music community, so gotta give him a shout-out. And then they have their EP, which is Half Hour of Power. And that came out in 2000, which is crazy to think about because it's like, wow, 2000, (laughs) 18 years later, and we're talking about it. But yeah, so that was their EP, Half Hour of Power. Then their debut album, All Killer, No Filler, that was in 2001. Then we have Does This Look Infected? That was in 2002. And then we have Chuck, which was in 2004. Underclass Hero in 2007. Screaming Bloody Murder in 2011, and catching up to present day, we have 13 Voices, which was their latest album in 2016. Eric, let's talk about their discography. Let's talk about it. So let's start out with All Killer, No Filler. An amazing album to listen to. In my mind, That's if you want to really start with some 41, start with that album, because it's it just really encapsulates all of their energy, all of their, just, just everything they're about. And there's not a single dumb moment on this album. You won't find it. It's amazing from start to finish. The songwriting is awesome. It's pop punk at its finest. Or, you know, it, this is one of those mainstay albums that you should really listen to. I totally agree with you. Um, this was they're perfect a perfect way to make their debut in my opinion especially in the pop punk community it's one of the most classic albums in pop punk um this album was fantastic it it showcased what pop punk 
is at its finest. So I totally agree with you with that. Um, it was a great debut album. It, it all around like instrumentally, lyrics, to its core, it's it served its purpose, which was to be a killer. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> pop punk album and it definitely succeeded and definitely opened doors for them for their future albums absolutely and you know i don't think that like i said there's not a dull moment and even if you're just a casual listener i think you'll find at least one song where you can truly say i love this and i want to listen to it forever they were really able to break out with this album um like i was saying before with fat lip everybody knows that song also the song in too deep uh, both of those songs were on uh, TV shows and movies, like soundtracks and stuff like that. And they were really accessible to um, mainstream radio and stuff like that. So I think that this album really gave them those opportunities moving forward because it was really accessible for people to get into. And like you said, um, even if they didn't necessarily listen to the whole album, they would always at least go back to the singles and um, be able to vibe with that and, and really keep those in their memory. Even, like I said, 18 years later, which is like so insane to think about, or um, you know, 17 years later in the case of this album, but just it's, it's insane that th- this album will forever be a classic within that community and the songs fat lip especially and in too deep classic pop punk songs of that time period and um and with this album they inspired so many bands of today um that listened to this album and and was like you know what i want to be like them i want to start a band i want to do this style of music because don't forget with the pop punk community, pop punk really didn't start becoming a, a mainstream thing until the early 2000s. It was still around um, in like the 90s, late 90s, but really until the early 2000s is when it really crossed over into mainstream radio and stuff like that. And people started seeing mainstream success, these underground bands who were just coming from that the alternative music scene, and then all of a sudden being thrusted into uh, popularity all across the board. So it was just one of those albums that people look back on, and you can see how it influenced the bands of today. And you can easily rank All Killer No Filler up there with, just to name a few examples, Take This to Your Grave, um, the self-titled Blink-182 album, you can easily rank it among those classic albums because specifically in that early 2000s period is when a slew of classic albums started coming out by a bunch of different bands. And, you know, when I think pop punk, that's immediately what I gravitate towards. Yeah, when I think pop punk, like you said, I think of like Take This to Your Grave from Under the Cork Tree. I think of Enema of the State, Take Your Pants Off and Jacket. I think of All Killer No Filler. I think of Early Paramore. Um, I think of early good Charlotte, like these, that was pop punk. In my opinion, that is my personal favorite era of pop punk. Um, just because that time, like I said, it was just something about the way that they were able to stay true to the music that they were playing while breaking into mainstream success and doing it without completely selling out. You and I discovered all of that at the right time. I think that's the best way I can describe it. Like, we lived in the right time period for pop punk to really start 
uh, forming its identity and for all this music to come out. So, you know, no matter where you looked, you had an amazing album coming out by a different band. And what I loved is that no album sounded the same. You know, it wasn't like a ripoff or a carbon copy of anyone else. You knew who each band was and every album had its own identity. And it was just a great time to discover pop punk back when we were in high school and we were young, younger. <laughs> yeah, it was a total, it's a total nostalgia trip looking back at it now. But I'm just so thankful that I was able to find that music back then because it, it's a part of my identity. You know, it's part of what shaped me as a person. Um, whether you think that's cringy or not, <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. But uh, no, it's the truth. And, and it's still one of my favorite genres to this day. But it all started with bands like Sum 41. So All Killer No Filler definitely has a, a special place in my heart. Um, and that was their debut. So we haven't even gotten into their full uh, catalog yet. So that was their debut. Then we have Does This Look Infected? This was the tour that we just went to, the 15th anniversary. It's their second album. Usually people go through the sophomore slump, but not with this album. Tell them why, Eric. They really upped the ante with their songwriting capabilities on this album. Um, you know, not just lyrically, but musically. They showed they weren't just, you know, a pop punk band. They could be heavier. They could be more punk than you previously thought. They could even go into heavy metal if they wanted to, thanks to Dave Brown Sound, uh, my personal hero in, in uh, Sum 41. Uh, they just really expanded upon their previous album, and they just really expanded their sound into territory that you probably didn't even think was possible back then in my opinion they took all killer no filler and they just upped the ante that's the best way that i could describe it where they you know going into it they just with their first album they just made the debut they went in for it whatever but then coming back and writing and recording this album they picked what worked on that album and didn't lose sight of what that was but a Additionally, just like added on um, more punk leaning instrumentals and more in your face, gut punching lyrics um, than All Killer No Filler. So they really just took what they had and just took it up a couple notches. Yeah, they definitely, they, they could have stayed pop punk, but instead they incorporated traditional punk, I guess you could say, into their sound. They incorporated hardcore punk, they incorporated speed metal. And all of that was just so amazing. Yeah, that's the thing with Sum 41. Um, that's why when I was, you know, introducing the band earlier, there's so many hats that they put on where you can classify them as pop punk. You can classify them as punk rock. They are metal leaning at times. You know, they are alternative rock at sometimes. They fall under that general umbrella. But I think that each album individually wears a different hat that you can't say every single album is necessarily pop punk or every single album is metal. Um, I think some albums have elements of certain genres more than others. And the good thing about them doing that is that they expand their audience as well. You know, they're pop punk enough for your typical pop punk fan, but they're heavy enough for your heavy metal fan, or at least they have the potential to be. And that's the perfect segue because moving on from that, we are going to go into their 2004 album, Chuck. That album, oh man, that blew me away because that just really like defied my expectations of what a pop punk could be and where they could go. 
you know, I, I feel like there's a misconception that pop punk musicians are very simplistic as musicians and they don't have like too big of capabilities as musicians. They're not that technical, but this really defied that, you know, because the music was more complex. It was darker. It was heavier. And in my mind, it really had a story too. Yeah. And not just that, but in my mind, it was, uh, does this look infected times 10 in terms of brutality? It was on steroids, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And it's funny that you say that too, because I was going to say that some of my favorite Sum 41 songs of all time are on Chuck. You are not kidding. It is an amazing album and I was, you know, pleasantly surprised when I heard it. It was just one of the coolest things ever. Definitely ranks among my top favorite pop punk albums of all time. And, you know, being a metalhead myself, it was just awesome to find that in a pop punk band yeah because it wasn't pop punk you know it really wasn't even though they are a pop punk band like i said before i think this album leans more towards metal and towards alternative rock than it does pop punk and i think that's great because it shows that they with this album they really went outside of their comfort zone to create this and um eric can you give the story behind this album the the writing and and recording of this album uh share it with our listeners so if i I believe i have this right they went to the congo to play a show i believe but during their their stay there they were at a hotel and they were surrounded by war and it was just mayhem everywhere and this uh this man who worked at the hotel they nicknamed him Chuck. He got them to safety. And because of that, they named the album after him. But of course, you know, it wasn't just the events there that in- influenced the album. It was a lot of other personal things as well. Because the album deals with a lot of things. Drug use, death, depression. So, you know, when you realize what the story is behind, you know, not just the title, but all the songs, you really think to yourself... These guys really know how to how to take life and put it into their material. Yeah, I think um, truthfully, I think when they were writing this album that they really um, went for it in terms of lyrics and instrumentals. And you could see that uh, Dave, the lead guitarist, took a huge role in the album's direction of how they were going to perform it, how they were going to record it, how it ended up. Uh, sounding and coming out because he's a huge metalhead and he's influenced. I mean, they all are. They all um, enjoy that genre in general and they're all fans, but him especially really, um, you can tell that it, his style of playing and he adds so much. He really contributes so much to Sum 41 um, and it's really not the same without him being there. So Thank God that he's back in the band. We'll get to that a little bit later when I, uh, you know, get, as I get through these records. But yeah, he his contribution to the band is re- really significant. So we, I was in my early college years, and I was screaming bloody murder had just come out in 2011, and a friend of mine told me about it, and you know, he's like, I can't believe these guys are heavier than Metallica on this album, and you know, we both joked about that. But then we both went to school one day, and he's like, remember what I said about Screaming Bloody Murder being Sum 41's heaviest album? I was wrong. It's Chuck. And, you know, immediately I uh, I was interested. 
So at his recommendation, I went to listen to the album. Completely floored, man. That's all I can say. That album became a mainstay in my playlist, and I listened to it heavily, and I was just so blown away by it, and that just really solidified my interest in Sum 41, you know, even further. And if all you were wondering, they did play Chuck's songs during their 15th anniversary show, which was really cool to see live. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, obviously, we all have, you know, our pick of songs that we wish they could play live, but listen, I mean... Any song off of Chuck Live is amazing. Absolutely agree. So moving forward, after Chuck, we have Underclass Hero, which came out in 2007. So I like this album. I like that they kind of went back to their pop punk sound. Um, It's not my favorite album, but I do think it has enough songs on it to be a really fun album. Uh, I really love the title track, Underclass Hero. I definitely love March of the Dogs. I think that was really cool. A really nice punk song to get things going. Walking Disaster, man. That song was just When they played that live, I lost my shit. They came back out for the encore and started playing Walking Disaster before uh, they closed out with Fat Lip. And everybody in the crowd was going nuts for that song. Everybody, um, at least to my knowledge, if you're a huge Sum 41 fan, really loves that song. That is a fan favorite, and I completely understand why, because it's one of the best tracks off of this album, hands down. Absolutely. If you if you know what it's like to, you know, uh, just have a hard time in life, then that song is for you, because it really, it really speaks to that misfit inside a lot of us. I love this album, and um, I love the songs on this album. It's definitely a return to form in terms of pop punk. This is uh, when they really go back to their pop punk roots. Um, and I really love this album. Um, literally, track by track, I, I get lost in this album every time. Um, I rarely skip songs off this album. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy this album. Um, and the reason why I love this album, too, is a lot of this album um, is has undertones of politics in it especially during the time. And I'm not going to get too deep about this because our podcast is for everybody and I'm not going to even go down that rabbit hole of politics. But I just will say that uh, it's crazy to listen to an album that came out in 2007 based around um, what was going on at the time and then to pick up that same album and listen listen to it in 2018 and still have it be so relevant and feel those same feelings that were in 2007, um, I think it says a lot um, about the temperature of everything going on. And I'll just leave it at that, but I love Underclass Hero. I think it's a great album um, in as a whole. And yeah, so moving forward, we have Screaming Bloody Murder, and that came out in 2011, like Eric said earlier. What'd you think about this album? So I definitely think it's a mixed bag of a lot of different sounds. Um, I can see why there's a polarization to it, but I do commend the band on, once again, expanding their sound and trying to incorporate different ideas into one song. I definitely like the quiet, loud dynamic on a lot of the songs, the use of piano, and then having the song go from piano to loud guitars in an instant. I think that was pretty cool. I would definitely classify this album more as alternative rock than anything else. Yes, absolutely. 
no, don't get me wrong. There are songs on there that have pop punk touches, but most of the time, you know, it's either, like you said, alternative rock or, you know, speed metal, hardcore punk. I know, like you said, this album, when it came out, was kind of polarizing of whether people enjoyed it or not. Um, but I think looking back on it now, I would never consider this album a bad album, but it's just different, you know? And I think, like I said, um, each album is catered to different genres. And if you're not necessarily a fan of that genre, you know, if you were expecting an album like Chuck and then got an album like this or expecting an album like All Killer and then got an album like this, I think that was the issue during the time. I could be wrong about that, but that's just my personal opinion. I think that once people have expectations of a certain taste that they like and then they listen to the new album at the time and then they compare to previous and I think that's where the disappointment sets in but if you just listen to it in my opinion as a standalone album and don't listen to their previous albums and you just take it for what it is I don't think it's a bad album at all and I think there's a lot of good songs on there and I enjoy the sound of the album but if you compare it with other albums then I think that's when you know, it, it's hard to make that comparison with previous albums just because of the quality and how great those albums are. Um, but those are just my thoughts. I will say, though, the lyrics and Derek's voice on this album are very good. I really love the yes. dark tone throughout everything. Yes. So the lyrics in this album is fantastic because this was during the time I either I want to say don't quote me specifically but I want to say either after or during his divorce um, for those who don't know Derek the lead singer was previously married to Avril Lavigne um, who is a fellow uh, musician in the community of alternative rock and and pop rock and stuff like that so um, and in the early days she was pop punk she would be considered pop punk but um so he was going through a lot during that time period, um, also battling alcoholism and using that to cope with everything that was going on in his life and the divorce and stuff. So long story short, these lyrics to me are some of the l realest lyrics that he's ever written um, in his entire career. So I appreciate it on that level as well, you know, and a lot of people just kind of write it off, like I said, because they compare it to other albums and doesn't meet whatever expectation they had. But I think if you just take it for what it is and, and don't compare it, uh, it has a lot to offer. I think the lyrics on this album is super, super, super personal and dark and something that he was going through at that time. And I also love the different vocal approaches he took on this album. Like I know I already said his voice sounds great on this album, but I love that on different songs, he tries using different singing styles, and I think that really helps drive the songs, too. So moving forward, we are going to go to present day, finally. 13 Voices came out in 2016. Um, just to catch everybody up, in between now and back in, after Chuck, Brown Sound left the band and then returned. So he was not on Underclass Hero or Screaming Bloody Murder, but came back for 13 Voices, which also really shows in uh, the music as far as instrumentals. You can tell his influence, like I said, once again, 
Uh, he is such a significant piece of the band, and you could tell there was really something missing when he left, especially leaving on such a high note with Chuck. But on that note, let's talk about 13 Voices. So Brown Sound is back in the band. They almost have the original uh, core lineup, except the drummer, new drummer. But other than that, you know, we have dudes that were playing music years ago back together again. So what do you think about 13 Voices? So I was definitely excited for this album when it came out, especially because Dave was coming back. And if you know anything about Dave, you know that he puts the heavy in some 41. So for that reason alone, I was really, really excited for this album. Uh, musically, it's absolutely a heavy record. It's by no means Chuck, if you think that that's what this album's going to be. It's not like that. Of course, you do have your thrash metal influences and your heavy metal influences throughout the record. But if I had to compare it musically, varied. I would say it's more towards Screaming Bloody Murder. Yeah, except it's a little... What's the best way to describe it? It's Polished? It is, Yes, yes. Yeah. It's, it sounds more finished. So I think to speak. it's I think it's more polished because of the fact they were trying to get that mainstream sound. I think again um, that they once had, and I think that they were trying to dabble with a record. I think in their mind they were trying to make a cross between you know Screaming Bloody Murder and one of their more popular albums like All Killer, for example, and trying to fuse the two together. And in theory, that sounds freaking awesome. That sounds like a great idea. But um, the execution, in my opinion, was just not what they mapped out to be. Um, And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you my uh, opinion about it. My opinion is, you know, a lot has happened in these past few years, especially with Derek. Anybody who's been following up on Derek, if you don't know, he's been battling, or had battled, I should say. He was battling with alcoholism um, for years, majority of his career, I would say. And um, he, at one point, was even hospitalized. And he almost died, to be honest, people. So I thought going into this record that we were going to get lyrics like Screaming Bloody Murder and Chuck lyrics as well, like some of the more darker but real, authentic um, material. And I thought he would have so much material because of that, because uh, pretty much like the rise and fall, you know, Um, where he hit his lowest, you know, rock bottom, but then he was able to not only recover, but, you know, get... uh, everybody back together to, to play music again, to tour, to do all these things that he probably never thought he was going to be able to do again because of where he was at in his life. Um, so with all that being said, I thought that with 13 Voices that he was going to have so much material and uh, so much to, to work off of. And for me, that's what it was lacking. Like lyrically, it just wasn't there for me. Yeah, I felt like the songs, the, at least the lyrics in the songs, were either too ambiguous or sometimes the lyrics just made no sense. And again, like when you look at everything that happened to him, you would think maybe he's going to exercise his demons through the songwriting process. But then when you actually listen to the album and you listen to the lyrics, you're like, well, what happened? 
Exactly. Like to that point, I thought that it was going to be like a form of therapy for him um, with everything that he's been through because he's been through a lot, um, not only just with the band, but his personal life in general. And uh, battling with alcoholism is a very serious thing. And, you know, with that being said, too, I'm so proud of him for overcoming his personal demons and for him to to still be alive and to recover and to, you know, um, be able to tour again and be still be able to be creating music, uh, stuff that he probably thought he was never going to be able to do again. And uh, I'm just so proud of him, you know, fighting that battle and winning that battle. And, you know, every day is a constant battle you know it's not something that's ever going to end but uh, I'm just so proud that he's willing to to fight that fight and not give into it and uh, he's come such a long way since he was hospitalized you know so I'm I'm so proud that not only did he get back on his feet but you know seeing him live in concert was just like such a phenomenal experience because you look at him and you're like that's extremely inspirational you know that that really goes to show that no matter what you're going through and you can be the, you know, the darkest point in your life and you could still come back from that because I, to me, in my eyes, he's living proof of that. Absolutely. And, you know, like us, I'm sure other people, when they heard 13 voices, they too felt maybe a little disappointed in that respect. And when you listen to that, it's easy to criticize and to, you know, run your mouth off in terms of that. But you know, when you look at how far Derek has come and all the struggles he's gone through, you know, you think to yourself, well, so what if this record isn't perfect? You know, everyone's entitled to make mistakes because it's human nature. So maybe the lyrics aren't what we expected them to be, but, you know, he's he doesn't have to make music for us. You know, none of them do. And the fact that they're still doing that is really shows their dedication, not just to themselves, but to us as well. And I love to another shout out to uh, Brown Sound because I love that not only did Brown Sound come back as a band member, but he really came back as a friend, you know, and, and you know, that's first and foremost that he was really there for Derek during this time and showed his support. And of course, all the rest of the dudes in Sum 41, Cone and, and the drummer Frank and, and Tom Thacker and everybody uh, really showed Derek that support and really helped him get through it. So kudos to everybody in Sun 41. They really are like a family, you know, just a bunch of brothers. And uh, it shows. You could tell that on stage as well. Yeah, absolutely. You could tell that they had so much fun playing off of each other, and they wouldn't have it any other way. Now we're going to talk about our top three Sum 41 albums. But actually, before we get into the top three albums, because I never want to end on a bad note, let's just get our least favorite album out of the way. I think we could both say at the same time, let's do it. 13 13 Voices. voices. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's still an enjoyable album. Just want to get that out there. But, you know, with all those classic albums behind it, you know. You can't compare. You can't compare. Um, It's like I said earlier, um, I get the direction that they were trying to go in. I get the idea behind it, but I just hope, um, their next album that they come out with 
which which we have an exclusive scoop here on the music matters media podcast we actually heard from derek himself at the concert that they after this 15th anniversary tour they are heading back into the studio to write and record for their new record and to expect them to come back around this time next year with new material and a new tour so look forward to that because i know i am and i know eric is as well Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, and I can't freaking wait. So, let's get into our three top favorite Sum 41 albums. You don't have to uh, put them necessarily in order, Eric, but just let the people know. If you want to save the best for last in your head, whatever, I, I know already what it is, but just to let the people know you could do that. However you want to do it, you could do it top three Sum 41 albums, and then explain why for each. So, okay, this is a little difficult, but uh, my third and second would actually be tied for second. Ooh. So, starting with three, All Killer No Filler, just because it's, in my mind, their most pop-punk album. It's purely pop-punk. It's what started their career. And it's just such a fun album from start to finish. And, you know, it's one album that I always go back to and I can't get sick of it. My second one, which would be tied with All Killer No Filler, would be Does This Look Infected? I love the mix of pop punk and, of course, their emerging heavy metal slash hardcore punk influences on that one. I love also the mix of, you know, lighthearted material and darker material, too, in terms of lyrics. So I think that was a very awesome crossover from pop punk to their later alternative sound. And my favorite album, Chuck, just because it really showcases their maturity as musicians. It showcases Derek's maturity as a lyricist as well. And because I'm a metalhead, it also just has the best of both worlds, pop punk, alternative rock. And, you know, it's got different kinds of metal, standard heavy metal, thrash metal, even new wave of British heavy metal. Um, Welcome to Hell sounds like it has an Iron Maiden influence. And they are no strangers to Iron Maiden. They made that clear at the show. So for all those reasons, Chuck is my absolute favorite. But the other two are very, very up there. That's awesome, Eric. I really enjoy your list because our lists are pretty similar. I'm going to tell people right now. Um, So I don't have much to talk about because you pretty much said it all there. But I will say, though... Um, Chuck did not make my top three, but it was c- super, super close in doing so. So I just want to say once again, just because it didn't make my top three does not mean that I don't have the utmost respect for that album. I think some of their best lyricism is on that album. And like I said earlier, even though um, as a whole, it might not be my one of my favorite albums from them, um, they have hands down some of my favorite all-time favorite Sum 41 songs on that album. So I can't make that any more clear. I can't stress that enough. That being said, um, really don't have a specific order for this, but I'm just going to just, you know, name them off. Uh, Does This Look Infected for all the things that you said? Um, and All Killer No Filler for, once again, all the things that you said. So we're, we're you know, two out of three ain't bad. Not at all. As Fall Out Boy would say. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad we were both on the same mindset with that one. <laughs> so, so the only difference that we have um, is one album, and for me, it would be Underclass Hero. 
I love that album. Honestly, I never skip any of the songs off the album. I love the lyrical um, content of that album. I love that I could still throw that album on today and literally still feel the same feelings that I felt when I heard it for the first time. Uh, I think they go back to their pop punk roots on that album. Um, Obviously, in in my opinion, the only thing that's missing would be Brown Sound because I think uh, if he was around during that time, he could have made some really good uh, contributions. But other than that, definitely hands down my top three. There's just too many good songs on that album. Um, Underclass Hero, Walking Disaster, With Me, So Long Goodbye, Count Your Blessings, March of the Dogs, Pull the Curtain, the list goes on and on and on. Um, and it's a range, a wide range of topics, you know, it's a, it's about his personal life, it's about society, it's about the government, so many things. Um, and I think that this album doesn't get enough credit that it really deserves. So that would be my top three. And on that note, guys, we want to know your thoughts. Have you seen Sum 41 in concert yet? If not, I don't know what you're waiting for. They still have some dates that you can go check them out in the United States. And then after that, they are going... Actually, so they have some dates left in the United States. And then they're going on Warp Tour for the Canada date. Because you can't have the final Warp Tour without Sum 41 being on it. And of course, of course, not. Of course they're going to play in their home of Canada on that day. So it's going to be very exciting for those who live in Canada or for those in the U.S. or whoever around the world to travel to see them because that's going to be awesome. Just going to throw that out there. And then they're going back out on the road um, for a couple shows overseas and then back in the studio, back recording and writing for new material can't be more excited about that, of what they're going to put out next. Um, hopefully, they'll take note of what works, what doesn't work, and take it from there. Um, if you want to go see them on tour, you can go to www.sum41.com tour, and you can see their tour dates and pick up tickets. I would advise you to get them as soon as possible, as soon as you li- finish listening to this, because they are selling out fast. I know our date was sold out. And if you are a physical media lover like us, do what we did. And before the show starts, head to the merch table and get your hands on that signed copy of Dust Does Look Infected. Absolutely. So, guys, we want to know what you think. If you've seen them out on tour yet, if you're going to, what's your favorite Sum 41 album? What's your least favorite album? Tell us your favorite songs. Tell us what you think about 13 Voices. Maybe uh, you have a different opinion than us. We want to hear what you have to say. You can follow us and find us on all social media. We are on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook at Music Matters Media. 